0: I said, it's great that you care for me, Lord, but where is my God in my brother's life? Twin was 12 when his therapist told our mother he would one day end up in prison. And that therapist must have mistook himself for warden. Our mother paid him, so he became what he earned, a profit. 11 years, a few stints in jail, Counts of felonies and countless emotional roller coasters later, and our 66-year-old mother says she's too old to be carrying such a heavy load. She carries grief like a sandbag with a hole in it, leaving a trail everywhere that she walks. She got a son that ain't the boy that she raised. I can't believe she blames herself for his faults. So with her hope in shambles... Her faith flickers like candle with wick too close to wax and breeze too fierce to withstand. Where is my God in my son's life? Did prodigal son forget that he was supposed to return home? Lord said, in order for this broken down building to turn to a home, he must break it down. But he will raise it like the body of his own son. And Lord knows eternal life lasts longer than pain. As he said this, I saw the sorrow in my father's face. He, with a grief so great a single tear could flood the whole earth. But his promise is a literal rainbow in the sky sentencing him forevermore to be more creative. In his attempts at redemption, father... Help me remember on days when your promises are obscured by clouds of doubt that I don't have to see to believe my name is Matthew, not Thomas. I said, Mama, hold this close to you. Let it be a shield so when devils speak his lies about how our father abandoned us, you ain't vulnerable. He is so close to you. He told me last winter to walk barefoot in the snow, and the second my barefoot touched snow, he said, I am closer than the cold on your feet. Oh, when he speaks, his word is like a map legend given to direct our walk. Oh, when he speaks, his word becomes sword unsheathed sharp enough to sever our unbelief, and all you gotta do is believe. I said, mama, all you gotta do is believe because the devil, the devil hollers, I will not let you live!
1: Today's passage will be from the book of Ephesians, chapter 6, verses 10 through 17. You can follow along in your Black Bibles on page 952, or also in your, uh, the center of your handouts. Before we begin, let us pray. Great God, thank you for your word. We ask you now for open hearts and open minds as we read this passage, and thank you for this opportunity to learn more about you and your will for us. We ask that you may be with Pastor Mike as he preaches your word, and that we might be receptive to the truths we hear today. In Jesus' name, amen. Ephesians six ten through 17. Take up the whole armor of God so that you may be able to withstand on that evil day and having done everything to stand firm. Stand therefore and fasten the belt of truth around your waist and put on the breastplate of righteousness. As shoes for your feet, put on whatever will make you ready to proclaim the gospel of peace. With all of these, Take the shield of faith, with which you will be able to quench all the flaming arrows of the evil one. Take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God. The word of the Lord.
2: I'm afraid I'm going to disappoint you because last week I said that Pastor McNair and I were going to do this sermon as a duet, and I just didn't get it together this week. So it's on me, and sometime in the future, I hope, but this week you gave me your blessing to just carry it, so I'm going to do that. And Sylvia has copies of the manuscript. Some of you don't speak English as your first language, and that's helpful. Or some of you want to think over these things later. So that's available. Get Sylvia's attention as she goes by. But God has gathered us. Our Lord Jesus has gathered us and speaks his word to us as his friends. So dear friends of Jesus Christ, In the Word of God, in the book of 2 Kings, there's a beautiful story about the ministry of the prophet Elisha. Israel was at war at that time with the Arameans, and the Aramean army surrounded the city of Dothan where the prophet Elisha was because the prophet Elisha kept telling the king of Israel the plans of the Aramean army. So they they found that out and they sent to capture Elisha and while he's in Dothan here's what happens second kings chapter 6 when the servant of elisha the man of god rose early in the morning and went out an army of chariots and horses was all around the city and elisha's servant said alas master what are we going to do and elisha replied don't be afraid for there are more on our side than they have on their side. And Elisha prayed, O oh Lord, please open his eyes that he may see. So the Lord opened the eyes of the servant, and he saw that the mountain was full of horses and chariots of fire all around Elisha. Elisha prayed so that his servant could see What Elisha saw all along, they were protected by a great invisible army, greater than the visible army, greater than the army that they could see that surrounded them. They were protected by the army of the Lord of hosts. The servant needed eyes to see the army that was for them so that he could be comforted we might have a different problem. We might be too comfortable. We might not be aware of the dangers that surround us in this world. We might need eyes to see the army that is against us so that we can be alert and take the action that we need to take. And that's what the Apostle Paul's doing in this morning's passage. Paul's trying to open our eyes so that we can see the unseen. So that we can understand what we're up against and what is against us. We're engaged in a struggle against unseen rulers. Authorities whose power we can't even imagine. Against the cosmic powers of this present darkness. The spiritual forces of evil in heavenly places. These spiritual Enemies are not just God's enemies, they're our enemies, and they have one purpose in mind. They want to destroy God's work. They want to destroy God's work in creation, and they want to destroy God's work in redemption. Anything good that God has done, they want to undo it. And there's something else we need to know about this these enemies aren't just like random vandals that smash out the windows when they run by. They have a strategy. They have plans. There's a method to their destructive madness. Verse 11 talks about the the wiles of the devil. What does that mean? Well, the Greek word might actually ring a bell. It might actually sound familiar to you. The word is methodeia. We get our word method from that. The devil is methodical. The devil is intentional. We need to know these things. We need to know what we're up against, because if we don't, then we're like lambs walking into the wolves' den, baby gazelles in the midst of lions, on our own. We don't have the power, and we don't have the knowledge to stand against the power and the knowledge of these enemies. We don't have the power to stand in our own strength. You believe that? You with me? Paul's purpose in this passage, though, isn't really to focus on the power of those enemies, even though we need to know that they're there. And his purpose is not really to focus on our weakness either, even though we need to understand that we're weak. But Paul's purpose is to tell us where we can get the power to stand firm against the enemy's schemes and still be standing At the end of the fight. That word comes up a lot in this passage. Stand makes a difference whether you stand or fall in a battle. Paul wants everyone who hears his words to be empowered to withstand these terrible enemies in this terrible struggle that we're all drawn into and still be standing at the end of it. Listen to verse 13 again. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God so that you may be able. And what it really means is so that you may have power to withstand on that evil day. And having done everything, to stand firm, to still be on your feet. I want to focus on that word power. There's several words in this passage that mean power or strength or might But I want to focus on one of those words. The verse that really interests me is right at the beginning of the passage we heard. Our translation goes like this. Finally, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of His power. There's actually three different words in that verse that mean power. But I want to tweak the translation a little bit to reflect something that's going on in the original Greek. You know that I'm a grammar geek, right? So you're going to get this every week. There's something kind of unusual going on here. It's, it's a command, but it's a passive command. It means literally not be strong, but be empowered in the Lord. in Be empowered in the Lord. There's a few other times in the New Testament where it gives us a passive command, where it commands us not to do something, but to have something done to us. Romans 12, 2 is one of them. That's a familiar one. Don't be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. If you obey that command, you're not the one who's transforming. You're the one who's being transformed. It's passive. God is active. God is transforming. Here's an earlier one from the book of Ephesians that we've been in for the last few months. Do not get drunk with wine, but be filled with the Holy Spirit. If you obey that command, you are not the one who's filling. You're the one who's being filled. God is the one who's doing the filling. And it's just like that here in Ephesians 6. Paul is saying, be empowered. If you obey that command, are you with me? You're not the one doing the empowering. God is the one doing the empowering. You're the one being empowered. But here's the thing. It's still a command. Hey, Carmela, how you doing? Takes a while to find parking around here, doesn't it? (laughs) Welcome. Where was I? It's still a command. It's passive You're the receiver, but you still have to do something. You have to cooperate with what God is doing. If you want to be transformed, then you have to submit to the transforming word of God. Ask for it and welcome it when it comes. If you want to be filled with the Holy Spirit, you have to say, Holy Spirit, you are welcome here. That's why we have songs like that. It's not like the Holy Spirit couldn't come if he wanted to, no matter what, but we need to welcome the Holy Spirit. And if you want to be empowered in the way Paul is thinking in this passage, you have to invite that power into your life and into your living. You have to ask for it, and you have to welcome it when it comes. And that's the whole thrust of this passage. God makes it available, but you have to use what God makes available. God gives you the power, but you have to take advantage of it. God gives you the equipment, but you have to employ it. God provides you with the armor that you're going to need in this spiritual armor, but you have to put that armor on and use it. You have to wear the belt and the breastplate and the helmet. You have to walk in the shoes. You have to take up the shield. You have to swing the sword because God's not going to do all of that for you. That's not God's will. God's will is to make us partners, not merely passive receivers. That's why this passage is full of commands take up. Put on, stand firm, and be empowered. Be empowered. Say that to yourself be empowered. empowered. Turn to somebody next to you and say, "Be be empowered. So let's talk about this equipment. Not much of a user's manual here, but there's some things we can think about. This equipment, this this armor that God provides for us to use. The Greek word for armor is panoplia. The ancient Greek foot soldier was called a hoplite. And the full equipment of the hoplite is the panoplia or the panoply, that's our English word, the full equipment, the whole array. I found these drawings that probably show something like the picture that Paul had in mind. This artist rendering on the right, the the artist very kindly gave me permission to use this one. Um, Where Paul starts might seem like an odd place to start with a belt. For us, a belt is mainly a fashion accessory, right? I mean, it's more necessary if your waist is bigger than your hips and your pants fall down. But it's, we don't think of a belt being that important. But, but think of how many things are attached, for example, to a police officer's belt. For a Greek or Roman soldier, the belt is what holds everything in place. It holds down those little strips that hang down in front. It holds the sword It keeps the breastplate from flying up in the battle. It just keeps everything together. In Paul's mind, truth functions like the belt in the ancient military equipment. How does truth hold everything in place? Well, if you want a clue to how important truth is, pay attention to the enemy's tactics. It's often the first thing that the the devil goes after. Jesus said two things about the devil. Do you remember what he was from the beginning? A liar and a murderer. A liar. He attacks life and he attacks truth. Think about the garden. The serpent comes in. Did God really say, don't eat that fruit? Think about the temptation of Jesus. I mean, it's, you, want, you want to see it acted out. What were the last words Jesus heard before he went into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil? You Are my beloved son. What did the devil say to Jesus? First words, if you are the Son of God, and he said it three times, Satan will do the same thing to you. He will cast doubt on the Word of God. Did God really say that? He'll cast confusion on your sense of who you are, he'll call things what they are not and deny what things really are, or that it even matters. Jesus is not like that. Jesus says, if you continue in my word, you will truly be my disciples. You will know the truth. And what's the rest of it? The truth will set you free. The truth is God's gift. If you want to be empowered... If you want to stand in the confusion of the battle, you need to stand in the truth. Somebody say amen. Amen. You will gird the truth around your loins and it will protect you from the father of lies. Do not ever deny or compromise or sacrifice or give away your allegiance to the truth. Because if you do, everything starts to unravel. And put on the breastplate of righteousness. If the devil can't make you believe a lie, then here's what he'll try to do next. He'll try to use the truth against you. He'll show you the truth of who you really are. He'll show you your sin and your guilt in the hopes of making you fall And making you fall down and making you fall away from the one who alone can give you life and strength. Our word devil. What's the Spanish word for devil? Diablo. It's the same word really because it comes from the Greek diabolos. Which means the accuser. It really means somebody who throws something into the middle of something. Like throwing, heaving accusations. Satan will do that to you. He will accuse you before God and before your own conscience. The prophet Zechariah, already in the Old Testament, God gave a prophet a vision. Zechariah saw the high priest. The high priest, the one who was supposed to represent all Israel before God standing before the angel of the Lord, and Satan standing at his right hand to accuse him. It's a great passage in Zechariah 3. If you've never read it, you should read the whole thing. And Joshua was dressed in filthy rags as he stood before the Lord. That's you. That's me. If we have to stand in our own righteousness. But listen To what God's angel says in this vision Zechariah has. To the devil, he says, the Lord rebuke you, Satan. Be gone. And to those standing near, he says, take off his filthy clothes. Put a clean turban on his head. And to Joshua, he says, look, I have taken your guilt away from you. And I will clothe you with festal apparel, with appropriate clothes, with clothes that will make you fit to stand in the presence of God. This is a picture of what happens when we come to faith in Jesus. We come dressed in our filthy rags and God takes those rags away. God takes our guilt away and clothes us with the righteousness of Jesus Christ. This is the heart of the gospel. This is your protection, the righteousness that comes from God through faith. If you don't have that, if you have not asked God to take away your guilt and to give you the righteousness of of His Son, you better do that today. The next verse is tricky. And I don't think our translation gets it quite right. Sometimes translation is a real nightmare. But let me translate it a little more simply and a little more literally. Having shod your feet with the readiness, Greek word is, the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. That might mean, among other things, that you're ready to proclaim the gospel to others. And I hope it does. But it means something more foundational and more comprehensive than that. It means that your own life and your whole life, your whole identity and your whole sense of calling and your whole understanding of what you are and who you are and what you're able to do is rooted in the gospel that gives you peace with God, the message of reconciliation with God, the message of God's love, the message that you are accepted in the beloved. But I think the key word in this verse is readiness. Soldiers and athletes need the right thing on their feet so that they can move with speed and especially with agility, so they can Be in the right, not just make the shot, but be in the right place at the right time to make the shot so they can get there. They need readiness. The spiritual equivalent of this is your readiness to do what God says and to go where God sends you. The the prophet Isaiah nailed this, Isaiah chapter 6, when God said, whom shall I send? And what does Isaiah say? Here I am. Send me. The Virgin Mary nailed this when she said to the angel, Here I am. I'm the Lord's servant. This is it. Here I am. Send me. Our willingness to follow where God leads. To do what God empowers us to do. That's what puts us in the position to move around in this battle and to be effective. Are you ready? Can you say, here I am? If you really are, it's because the gospel has transformed and is empowering your life, has set you free to serve God without fear and without reservation. Here I am. I want you all to say to the Lord, here I am. am. And God calls us to serve each other. So turn to your neighbor and say, "Here here I am. Here I am. And the shield of faith. I heard something sharp and loud and clear when Matthew spoke it out this morning. Hold this close to you. Let it be a shield. So when devils speak his lies about how our Father abandoned us, you don't have to listen. Satan can hit you even from far away. He can send arrow after arrow after burning arrow against us. Have you ever felt under attack? One thing happens. And then another thing. And then something even harder than the other two. And you plan a potluck and the poop backs up in the basement. Or like the Stahl family. You've already gone through things. A relative's been shot. And then another death comes. One thing and another thing. Another thing, and the devil starts to whisper in your ear, God has left you. God doesn't care about you, Mike. Look. Look at your life. It's not true. It's not true. God is faithful, and God is good. Some churches have this, liturgy, this litany, and you probably know it. God is good all the time. All the time. What is that about? Is that making up a nice, sweet fairy tale to make things easier? Is that living in denial? No, that's living in the truth and building each other up in our faith. And that's what we have to do because faith, trust in God, not just belief, not what you you think about God, but what you know about God, how you experience God. That trust in the one who loves you is what snuffs out the burning lies of the devil. God has not does not, and will not abandon you. Even when death comes, that last enemy to be destroyed, even in the moment of your death, God will be with you. God will not abandon you to the grave. God is good all the time time and the helmet of salvation. The devil wants nothing more than for you to believe he has power over you, that he can kill you That he can say to you, I will not let you live. You know what? It's not up to the devil whether you live or die. Your times are in God's hand. And if you belong to Jesus, if you have been saved by Jesus, then you have been saved. Your life is protected. You've got a helmet on your head if you put it on. If you don't know Jesus, if he's not your savior, then you might want to think about that. But if you do, your head, your life is protected. And the devil has nothing to say about whether you live or die. And even if you die, you will live. That's what Jesus said. Whoever believes in me, even if they die, they will live. And I will raise them up at the last day. And the sword of the Spirit which is the Word of God. Friends, this is the only one we can fight back with. Everything else is defensive. But with the Word of God, we can not only defend ourselves, but we can attack. We can win territory. We can reach out with the Word of God to win the lost over Christ. We can drive the devil away. The only thing is, some of us might not have much to work with Because we don't know the word of God very well. We just carry around this little tiny sword, like like a little butter knife, you know? I mean, if you're close, I might be able to hurt you with this, but no one's going to be shaken in their boots. It kind of reminds me of that famous scene in Crocodile Dundee, that movie, you know, when the mugger with the knife comes and the lady says, he's got a knife, and he smirks and says, That's not a knife. That's a knife. (laughs) All right, I'm done playing with knives. But what kind of sword do you have? How well have you trained to use it? How much have you made it grow? How is your skill at wielding the word of God that empowers us? I'm just going to leave that with you to think about. We're about done here. The next verse, we didn't read it this morning, but it says, And pray in the Spirit on all occasions. That's what I'm going to talk about next week, a whole sermon on prayer. But I wanted to mention it this week because none of this works without prayer. You can't be empowered without prayer. And all of these pieces of equipment come to us and are enhanced in their power when we pray. So do not neglect prayer. But the message is that God will empower us to stand. Do you think you can stand? If you can, then I want you to say, yes, I can. Do you think you can stand? Can Can you quench the fiery darts of the evil one? can. Can you do the things God asks you to do? Yes, I can. Can you go where God sends you? Yes, I can. Why? Because as the word of God says, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. That's the same word, empowers. I can do all things through Christ who empowers me. So I want us, I want us to say this together one more time. I can do all things, do all things. through Christ. Who empowers me. me. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks Thanks be to God. God.